How's everyone doing? Good. I've got thumbs up on the back row. That's good. That's encouraging, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, I mean, we didn't plan it like this necessarily. Our glow are going out. Bless you guys. Enjoy. Um, it's not just me. They do that every week. Just say so anyone that's new. Um, we're, um, yeah, amazing timing because we're looking at one of our values, our last value today on community. And you just, I didn't even think about it, but you just see something of it, don't you, when you... I don't know, pray friends like that and bless them. And um, yeah, just, just as we heard those words, I just felt there's a little sort of couple of tweaks that I'm going to make because um, this is about the kingdom of heaven. This is about his kingdom. And this is about, you know, at the end of it all, it says in scripture that we're heading towards a wedding. I don't know if you know that, but we're heading towards a wedding day. And on that wedding day, Jesus is saving himself for the church, which is for us. And there'll be a wedding and the wedding bells will ring and we'll be joined with Christ. And it's mysterious. And we're told even earthly marriages are mysterious in many ways. But that one is going to be mysterious and it's going to, it's going to be glorious. And I, I just feel like that's what I'm to remind you of again this morning. And if you're a believer, then, then it's to remind you that this is where you're headed. And, and it's going to help you to, to reshuffle some things, and, and it's just going to encourage you. And if you're not a believer, if you don't know Jesus, then to have seen some of this and to have, to have been with us or online and just to hear something of, of the end, this is where we're headed. And I'm hoping that it will stir hearts and be like, yeah, I want to be involved in that. So we're looking at, we're looking at community. I was going to start with a silly joke, but it just didn't feel right as I was singing there. I was like, nah, nah, we're not starting like that. You now all want to know what it is, but you can find out afterwards. Come and ask me. Um, we're not looking at necessarily how we should behave in the church through this series. It's not really about that. It's not about um, you know, all behaving in the same way and making sure we're uniform. It's about understanding who God has made us and what he says over us and responding out of that place. And if he says this is who we are, then we should receive that and we should be those people. And so today, God's been speaking about community and I'm hoping to show you this uh, through all of time. And that's where we're headed for that wedding day at the end. And I'm hoping to just stir your hearts for something of community afresh today. We know from sociologists that um, they would say uh, community happens where intent, interest, experience and identity can be found. Those things can be found, and then community is built from that place. And I suppose uh, we can see that happening all the way from young ages at school. When you may have gone to school, you may remember uh, back those days, and you would have the sporty ones. And they tended to gravitate towards each other, and they would make kind of a community. You'd have, uh, used to be called the geeks, can't say that anymore, because now everyone works for the techies. Um, So you'd have the techies who tend to own business, um, and they would gravitate towards each other. You'd have, uh, in my day, you'd have skaters, and uh, you'd have uh, goths as well. Even those that would be working hard to say that they were anti-establishment would kind of do it together, and so would make a little community. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like their whole thing was like, don't follow the community of the way. And they wouldn't ever do it on their own. There was no like lone wolves. They'd do it together and so would make their own community. So even when we're trying to rebel against it, there's something about community that we're drawn to. And I, I spoke to a friend last night, a good friend of the church, actually, Doug Langsford, who sends his love to you all. And um, he's moved down to Seaford a number of years ago. He swims every morning in the sea, 365 days a year. 
and this is Britain, this is in Seaford. I mean, guys, uh, there was one day he did admit to me he missed, which was because of a typhoon. I thought, that's fair enough. You know, if the typhoon's around, then yeah, don't swim in the sea, that sounds wise. But it, you can't get a more kind of solo sport in my mind than swimming in the sea. Surely, that's kind of like, it's an on-your-own thing. And he said, he was like, but I found such a community. We actually travel down to the water together, we do our swim, and then we have a coffee afterwards. Even in the most solo of, of sports I've ever heard of in my life, somehow he's created community from it. And I suppose the foundation, we're going we're gonna to go to Hebrews 10 in a while, so you can start turning there. But the foundation of it, of why we believe in community, why we think we are drawn in this way to community, whether you believe sociologists or whether you... you know, the reason this happens, we believe, as, believe, as Christians is because we have a, a God of community. So this is going to be just kind of... Step one is going to be a bit of doctrine into what we believe, but we've always got to remember we have the same DNA. And so this is... As you're hearing about the God of community, then... Let's be drawn into that because we're a part of the same thing. So my, um, my daughter kind of tripped into this thing of, uh, I'll be using the word trinity. Um, so she tripped into this, she's four years old, uh, at night time because that's usually when the deep conversations happen, when we're going to bed. And, um, and her question on this evening when she should have been, you know, can't get anything out of her when she comes out of school, but you get to bedtime and that's when all these deep conversations start. And that just seems to be how it happens. And she said, well, how can Jesus be God if God is God? I thought, whoa, that's a good one. And it's even worse than that, my darling, because there's the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to, like, confuse you even more, but we believe God is three parts but one God. Um, and it does. It does just confuse you, doesn't it? It's like, wow, what, what is this teaching? To be honest, I struggled with it for quite a long time. Like, I'd come to it and i think, oh, I'd just park that in the confusing bit, you know. But every now and again, I'd be challenged that, am I silly for believing in something that I can't understand? If someone asked me, if a four-year-old asked me, how does this work? And I find it hard to even work out the concept, am I silly to believe in it? And then I just had, had someone speaking, and he said, if you can explain your God, if you can understand it completely, then it's not a very impressive God, is it? I thought, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's a good point. There are going to be some things. If your God is Yahweh, the one true God, maker of heaven and earth, then expect to be dazzled every now and again. Expect to be just left going, I'll wait for eternity. I'll, I'll ask you more about that when we get there. Because if we can explain him, and so many, so many religions, uh, smaller religions, I'll use the smaller R, you can kind of understand them all. I just want to point, this is a God that you cannot completely work out or uh, explain in an argument. But we do believe in a God, uh, three persons. I, I heard a great um, just summary of this, as best as we can get from Greg Haslam in my preparation. He said this, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each of these persons is fully God, and there is one God. <laughs> do you notice there are no buts or however, you know, it's just and, and each of these is three separate persons, and they are one God. That's the best that we can do to explain it. C.S. Lewis has another go at doing uh, the same thing. I'll just read what C.S. Lewis said. God is a being which contains three persons while remaining one being. Much, the most important thing to know is that the relationship of these three persons is a one of love. 
The father delights in the son. The son looks up to his father. What the Christians mean by the statement, God is love, is that the living, dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else through it. In Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity of life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. And he then goes on to explain the Trinity as this this beautiful, divine dance, um, which I just thought was a wonderful image. It doesn't encapsulate it all, because it's far too big for that. You won't actually find the word Trinity in Scripture, but you'll find the idea represented throughout. So just quickly, because I want to spend time just looking at the kind of kingdom that God's building. Just quickly, in Genesis 1.26, God says right from the beginning, let us make man in our image and likeness. God refers to himself in the plural as he refers to mankind in the plural. plural. We think of from Genesis to Malachi, God speaking about his purposes and a response is always from us as God. So just a couple of examples. Uh, Hosea 1.7, the Lord says, I will deliver them by the Lord their God. So the Lord is saying, I will deliver them by the Lord their God who will do this. Or Malachi 3, 1 to 2, the Lord whom you seek is coming, says the Lord of hosts. You see, you see these persons being represented, although it's, it's a growing revelation through scripture, and we have to be aware of that. So in the Old Testament, we get certain glimpses of this plurality in God who is one, but then in the New Testament, it's just it's stunning. So you get to Jesus' baptism, Matthew 3, 16. And the father says over the son so that all can hear, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He delights in his son, calls him his son. Matthew 28, then Jesus then says, go into all the world. He says, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. And just quickly last in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Sorry, just one sec. Thirteen, fourteen. The grace of the Lord Jesus, there's the Son, and the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. In Paul's theology, he's looking to teach that, that God is, is plural. There's, there are three of them, yet one God, always spoken of as one God. So you see this picture coming through Scripture of community, And this is primarily why we believe in community, that there's something unique and distinct about the community of believers, because God is in community. We look at him and he said, let us make man in our image. And so being made in his image, where there's three, yet one in this beautiful dance, it's no wonder that we find ourselves drawn to community. We're a people of community, would be my second point. We have a God in community, and we are therefore a people of community. It's first and foremost just because God is in community, I would say. If that's not enough, though, then in creation, uh, the first creation, there was, there was complete unity and community. So we see uh, mankind being made, and they would just dwell together, and God would visit in the cool of the evening. They would walk and talk. It says of them that God fully knew them, and they knew God. 
And this word known is the same, is the same word that they use when Adam first met Eve and they knew one another as a husband and wife knows each other. It's like this intimate knowing. And it's talking about us with God. It's, it's the first image we get of community. We're supposed to know and spend time with him and he was to know us. Sin, we know, corrupts the world. Things break down. Man runs from God, decides we can do things our own way. I've kind of been doing that ever since. And so God, we see through the rest of Scripture, sets into motion this plan of redemption. His whole plan, he's, he's going to win his people. He's going he's to do all he can to make a way for them back to himself. And then we know the end is going to be a wedding day for us to look forward to. So in one motion, as we see community getting rebuilt from where it was first lost in the garden, we see the temple. The temple was a gift to us where God would meet with man in a special way. But it wasn't for everyone to enjoy. It was for one at one specific time. Uh, Every now and again, you would catch a glimpse of the glory of God, but you wouldn't really be able to dwell with God. But it was the beginning of God once again rebuilding community with mankind. We then see Hosea. And Hosea prophesies about the second rebuilding of the temple. The temple has been broken down, and to be honest, they're disappointed. It's not quite as glorious as it once was with Solomon, but, but Hosea prophesies that the, the former will be more glorious than the latter. Sorry, the latter will be more glorious than the former. The former will be kind of a shadow. And he's, he's talking about the temple, but he's also talking about the Messiah to come. He's kind of prophesying about one who will come, who will himself be the cornerstone of a new living temple. I hope you're tracking with me the kind of journey of community that God has been taking his people on. And so when we get to the New Testament, we start getting called things like living stones as believers. Weird. It's kind of, we're supposed to have the image of a temple in the Old Testament, and it's like that, but it's more glorious because these are people being put next to each other and being built upon one another. It's like this new picture of a temple that's living, the church, the bride, the body, all of these images trying to help us out to understand this community that we're to experience. The early church then comes along, is birthed at Pentecost, and they start selling their possessions, they start selling their belongings, giving all they had, spending time with one another, giving to the poor. It's like, and it says of them, there was no one that had need amongst them. Just a stunning little statement about community. Don't think you could write that about any other community on the face of the planet. There's usually an interest that links us, but to say that about a community is stunning. So we see the early church starting to redeem and and draw back some of these things that community is always meant to be. And you can see what God is doing. He's building this picture of his people. And 1 Corinthians 13, 11 just has this word knowing again in it. So it says, Paul says, for now we see in a mirror, mirror dimly, but then, as in talking about eternity, we will see face to face. Now I know on earth in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Just this wonderful picture of God's redemptive story. And he's building a people that he will once again know and be known by. And I suppose that's the first thing of the kingdom that I want us to kind of capture this morning is that it's not a far off thing. And maybe it feels like it's got to that place where it's kind of church. And, you know, if it comes to the point where it's like, yeah, do church and it's, kind of less than the community I've been describing, then I just want to paint a bigger picture for us. 
that this is the image of the church, that we're to be being redeemed and built together as a living temple. Just like in the Garden of Eden, God once again wants to be fully known by his people, even as he fully knows them. Sometimes we can find being known properly pretty hard. And so we kind of present a mask or a facade that we want. We're happy with other people knowing that part of us, so we present that part of the facade, but there's other bits. And to be fully known would be to open up everything, and that's scary. But there's safety and security in a God who fully already knows you. And the offer is that he wants to be known by you. He draws you in to know something more of God. It's not just a vulnerability on one half, but the relationship is, no, he wants to reveal more to you of his glory, of his love, of his nature. This is the promise of scripture that we would come into this relationship. Just give a a quick example on the, the difference between knowing about God. And maybe you know a lot about God, but to be honest, you haven't known him in a while. You haven't heard him affirm you speak his love over you, let you know it's all right. Speak to you, challenge you maybe, don't carry on doing that. You haven't known him do that in a while. And I want to just point out there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing him. And this is really important when we get to community, because if this is to be a community, a church that is one day going to be married to God, we're going to fully know him one day. So the example is this, we're heading towards a World Cup. Football World Cup, I myself, not a massive football fan, but I know there will be many big football fans amongst us. And I know there will be some, and you will be able to tell me everything about Harry Kane, who I believe, from my Google searching, is going to be the captain of uh, the England team. You'll be able to tell me everything about him. You'll be able to tell me his scoring stats for 2022, how well he's performing right now, his fitness level right now. Is he, is he, got, is he carrying any injuries? You'll know about that. Maybe even his favourite pre-match tune that he puts on in his ears to get in the zone. You know, you'll know what he listens to. Maybe you listen to it or the food he eats or the drink he drinks to get ready for a game. Maybe you can even tell me where he went to school. But the thing is, you don't know him. You know all that about him and he doesn't know you, I don't think. (laughs) He doesn't know you and you don't know him. You can know all about him. You can quote all this stuff and it kind of sounds like you do know him. It can kind of put up this thing of, yeah, I'm, I, I know him pretty well. And everyone goes, wow, you really know him. But he would have no idea who you are. And it's kind of weird, isn't it? In this digital age, we can get to that place of knowing all about someone, but they will have never met us in their lives. But we can do this theologically. And this is where it gets dangerous in church life. Because we can know so much about God. Man, we can have verses for the right moments, the right song to say, the right encouraging thing We can look the part, but does he know us? Does he have permission to to speak to us? Or is it like, I don't know if I've heard him like that in a while or if I've allowed him to. The notion of community, that's with God and that feels a little bit separate, but with one another as well. Is there someone that knows every part of your life? Do you have that kind of accountability with someone? There's this opportunity in community that we'd be building this picture of being known and fully knowing. I want us to circle back round. We're in Hebrews 10, just as we will just, I want us to just study this just for a moment. This, just a wonderful piece of scripture. 
And it tells us so much about what we're looking to build. Sometimes it's like community sounds great, but what type of community? And, and what do you do in that community? And so we're just going to look at Hebrews 10, 23, 25. Okay, let's read through it quickly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day approaching. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. I just want to start, I'm going to highlight that to begin with. Let us hold unswervingly to this hope we profess. You know, just recently, uh, just been understanding a bit more of what a, an estate agent does. And an estate agent kind of finds themselves in this funny place where they're dealing with the promise of one and offering it to another, right? So someone comes to buy your house and they say, yeah, I'm good for the money and I'm up for it. I've looked around, I want it. Okay, so the estate agent hears that. Right, so on that promise, okay, I'm going to go to them and say, an offer's been put in. Okay, but where it breaks down is that sometimes they're not good for it. Or sometimes another house comes up or, or just life circumstance just gets in the way. And the estate agent in the middle is stuck, aren't they? It's like, okay, I kind of took that as a promise that I was delivering to the seller. And now I'm in the awkward place where I've got to tell the seller, sorry, you know, the promise wasn't actually good. I want us to see this first bit, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. So in some way, we're to be professing this hope. You know, you can't read that and think, well, that's just all internal. No, you're to profess this hope. We're to be talking about it, sharing our faith, talking about the one, the hope that we have that's like an anchor for the soul it sells elsewhere in Hebrews. Why can we do this? Because he who promised is faithful. Because he who promised I want us to see that. So as believers, you kind of find yourself in the estate agent's position, okay? You've heard the promise. It's like, okay, I've heard the promise. I'm going to profess on that. And the reason we should hold unswervingly and keep on professing is because God never lies. He never is false. He never over-exaggerates. And he is faithful to bring through what he has promised. So in the middle, you can hold unswervingly. You can have a confidence that what you're talking about is absolutely true. The goodness of God that you've experienced and encountered, the truth of Scripture, you can profess with a kind of confidence that you can't elsewhere in life because it's God who made the promise. Do you see? Kind of agent, a kingdom agent. Sounds so much cooler than a, an estate agent, right? But you're kind of in that place of delivering a promise from someone, but you know he is faithful. Okay, let's read on. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Man, I need this. Maybe community. It's, it's under attack right now, right? It's hard to go to small group, okay? We, we've all come through COVID and we've gone through a time and, and we're seeing it play out that, you know, it costs something. And before we were kind of at home and maybe on Zoom and now it's like, oh man, I've got to go back out and it's costing something. So community, we, we struggle and even it being online, it's like, do I go online or do I come in the building? Like, I don't know. So community, we're, we're sort of, there's a battle going on right now in churches all across this country and the world. There is a battle going on right now for community. 
let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. If it just came down to finding like-minded people, like the sociologists would say, with intent, experience, and all those things, then we may as well go somewhere where there's more like-minded people and where we're more like the people that we are sitting with. There's more 35-year-olds who enjoy sport and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But there's got to be something unique about the community of God. I hope we believe this. Number one, it's his. So God's involved. And if there's a God, then surely whatever he's involved in is, is the one to be involved in. But let's just have, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. You see, if, if it doesn't come down to being spurred on, I know my tendency. I have a tendency towards apathy. I have a tendency towards, you know, just not sharing my faith. I can think of a thousand reasons why I wouldn't share my faith to the person I walk past in the street. I can. And there are so many reasons, and that's just one person. And then there's my colleagues. I mean, I work in the church, but I'm, you know, I'm connecting with you guys. Um, there's your colleagues. There's the people you play sport with. I mean, there's just so many reasons, right? We need to spur one another on. This is it. Because without one another, without community, then to be honest, I'm not spurred on. And, and Paul picks up on it. I mean, they must have been similar to us, right? They haven't cha- we haven't changed that much as a race since they were, he was writing, uh, well, Paul or Barnabas or one of the others, writing in Hebrews. We need to be spurred on. There's something unique about coming with the people of God to hear, to hear something of the goodness of God, to spur one another on. I just want us to notice towards what? What are you spurring the person next to you, to your left and your right on towards? Love and good deeds. It's not just a kick up the backside. Did you tick the box of going to church this week? Great, well done, okay, for you. you know, no, that's not it. Love and good deeds. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because again, my tendency, if I'm honest, there's a tide going away from love and good deeds. And so he says, spur one another on towards it. it interestingly, it's love first. Do you notice? If we just do good deeds, we can over time dry up and become very religious. And we've got to watch that. Good deeds can just become good things. You, you just feel good about yourself. You love first. Remember the first commandment that God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love him. Love him. The second commandment is like the first. Love your neighbor. Stir one another on. Or that's the ESV, stir one another up. Or spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because we need to be reminded. Was the way you talked to your neighbor that time loving? Look, why don't we pray about it? Come on, go. Share the love of God. Have we forgotten something of just being open to the love of God and receiving it, being known by him? Come on, brothers and sisters, person next to me. Come on, go for it. Verse 25. Go for pink. (laughs) Not giving up meeting with one another as some are in the habit of doing. Now what's going on here in the early church is that they've come from a Jewish background. Many of them have come from a Jewish background. And so um, the rabbis have been, okay, fine, you're doing that, but it's really time to return back to our traditions, to the synagogue, to the pattern of life that we have. And so many are being persuaded. They're sort of challenged. Am I a Christian? Do I follow Jesus Christ in this new church? Or am I supposed to go back and, I don't know, my all of my society saying go back. And I doubt that's the same challenge we face. I doubt there's a Jewish community who's saying to you and ringing you up and saying, you really should come back to the synagogue. I, I doubt that's probably what's going on in your life. But the very same spirit is at work where we are just being, it's like, 
you should be doing this, or you could do this, or that, or there's, there's a spirit going on that's drawing people away from meeting with one another, which is where you get spurred on, because we need reminding, let's be honest, of the kingdom of God and the point of it all, but there is something drawing us away. Instead of that, so if that's on one side, giving up meeting with one another, instead of that, to prevent yourself from doing that, encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day approaching. Wow. And this, I suppose, is really what I feel God's been speaking about this morning with the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We, we must remember what we've been called to, friends. The wedding day at the end that is going to happen, that moment where our lives will be called for account before God is going to happen. These things will happen. I want us to be ready for these moments. And Paul does as well, uh, or the writer does, sorry. You can tell who I think wrote it. Anyway, the writer does when he's saying that, and all the more as you see that day approaching. He's like, we're getting closer and closer, friends. And he said that 2,000 years ago. So we're getting closer and closer, friends. Be encouraging towards one another. Spur one another on. And all the more as we see that day approaching. Because there is a day coming. There is a day coming. And if we, if we abandon meeting with one another and community and, and digging in, then we're losing out on something, this side of glory, that is so radical from the world, so special in its nature, the family of God. I need constant encouragement to do this because my tendency is to drift. My tendency is to forget. My tendency is just to apathy, if I'm honest. So I need to be encouraged by you. And when I meet with you, when I spend time with you, when I hear you guys speaking, testimonies coming to the front, I'm spurred on in my faith. I'm encouraged. I'm built up towards love and good deeds. So church, let's be a community. It's in our name. It's so important we get this one. I mean, all the others, we can kind of go, oh, I didn't even know. Jubilee Community Church. We're a community of believers a community who share with one another, spur each other on in love and good deeds, who encourage each other, not forgetting that the end day, that day that all of this is going to be for, this is like the, the pre-moment, this is like the engagement time, that, this is all getting ready for a day when we will be married to Christ. So let's be ready, encouraging each other. I thought as a kind of opportunity to begin this, we would take communion in a slightly different way. Band, would you guys come up? That'd be awesome. Thank you. You're going to serve us in a moment. What I want to do is I want to lead us in, in communion from the front. I'm going to give thanks for it. And then we're going to break down into threes, fours, just groups around where you are. You can swivel, turn around. And we're just going to take communion together. Just doing it together, I believe, is going to encourage you in your faith. But if you wanted to spur one another on or stir up one another in love and good deeds, do that all the same. You can share a scripture. You could just encourage someone. You could speak to someone or you could just read something or pray for each other. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we're going to we're gonna move and take communion. If you haven't got communion, then we've got some coming round because I know that you may have missed it. This is kind of a first step, if you like. Our, our action this morning, heading towards community, okay? Let's keep that in our mind. We're doing this together as one body. And you may be visitors, that's fine. If you don't know the Lord, then this is a moment for Christians to take. And it's kind of a reenactment of what happened on the cross. So if you don't believe in Jesus, then just let it go by. Just take part in what's going on. But you don't, 
don't take the communion. Just hear what others are saying and just be a part of that. You can ask questions afterwards. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we say we can be so quick to forget what you have placed together. And we're invited into this glorious dance of the Trinity, the Godhead. And you say, Lord, one day I'm going to marry the church and you'll be drawn into this wonderful, mysterious, but beautiful community. Lord, and, and we just say, Lord, we want to experience and know some of that now. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. We think of your kingdom prayers, Lord, this morning and how you've led us. And we say, Lord, let us understand something of the community that's going on in the Godhead. And will we take part in that now here on earth? Lord, we look forward to that day. Lord, when all pain will go. Lord, we say right now, blessed be your name, in the struggles and in the good stuff. But we know one day you will perfect all things. So I say, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserve your bodies and your souls unto everlasting life. In your hands or in your heart, receive the remembrance that Christ Jesus died for you. He died for you. Eat and drink on this by and in your heart by faith and thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us on the cross and we just give thanks Lord and it's solemn and it's beautiful for us because it brought us life Lord we thank you and as we take this right now we pray Lord even as we've heard of the testimony of healing Lord would you bring healing to our bodies would you speak to us as we take communion and Lord we thank you for the wine that represents your blood spilt Lord that will purify us and make us as white as snow before God eternal we thank you Lord God in Jesus name Amen. Amen. So turn, face someone nearby, and just share in communion. It's about remembering Christ. It's about spurring one another on. It's about thanksgiving. It's about scripture. And then these guys will lead us in worship in a few minutes. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist, and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.